This audio recording is presented by New City in downtown Orlando. As I already mentioned, uh, this morning we are going to be going back to our sermon series for this summer called The Pattern Prayer. And the pattern prayer is based on the Lord's Prayer. Uh, I have mentioned two. It's called different things in different traditions. I grew up in a tradition that called it uh, the Our Father. And that would be because the beginning of the prayer is addressed to Our Father. So however you grew up learning about the Lord's Prayer, uh, it's in response to Jesus's disciples asking him that he would teach them to pray. So as we go back to this and visit this prayer, I want to remind you that the prayer is less about repeating the exact words, although it's just a fine thing to do to pray the words as they're printed. It really is. It's a great place to start. And sometimes when we're not sure what to pray, that is exactly what we ought to pray word for word. But also we've learned that as we're praying through these, it is to pattern our prayer to give us certain movements of prayer. It is to open our eyes and our minds and our hearts to a way that we can launch into asking God for very specific things. We saw that the first three petitions or asks or desires that we give of the Lord are mainly directed towards his bigness and his glory and his fame. And I think the way I would summarize the first three, which would be praying that God's glory and his fame would be known first in our hearts and in the world, and that he would use us to take that fame and glory by revealing to us his will and then calling his people into the world to live it out. The way I would summarize that is a deep prayer and a longing that the God of the universe would be the center of our hearts. One way I said it was that if our hearts had a solar system of desires, that the sun of our solar system would be in the center, that would be God and his purposes. And we said that when God is the center of our universe, it doesn't make all of our desires and all of our needs disappear It doesn't minimize those things, but it just puts them in their proper place. In the same way that when the sun is the center of our solar system, it's it's power, it's magnificence, it's bigness puts all the planets in their proper orbit. In that way, when God is the center of our hearts and our desires and our lives, everything else in our hearts, everything else in our lives, everything else in our prayer life begins to go to its proper place. That's what we saw in the first three petitions. And today marks some pivot, I think is the best word I would use, towards what I've called the bottom three petitions. And in the bottom three, which we'll deal with over the next three weeks, Jesus now tells us, as we have centered our heart on God and his purposes, now he tells us to pray for our physical needs of daily bread. He also tells us to pray for the forgiveness of our sins and reconciliation with our neighbors. That is flourishing of relationships, peace, peace with God, peace with ourselves and peace with our neighbor. And then the third petition we'll get to two weeks from now, which will be the third week in this bottom half of the prayer would be that we would pray that God would protect us from temptation. So if the top third or the top three petitions, I mean, is to center us on God, the bottom three is an outflow that once we are centered on God daily, 
that we also would pray that God would be our omnicompetent provider, that God would be our all-competent provider, that all life would come from him, all forgiveness and peace would come from him, all protection would come from him. And so today, we will take the very first petition of that bottom half. The fact that Jesus tells us to pray for our physical needs is absolutely incredible. Can you imagine if it wouldn't be in there? Can you imagine if God didn't tell us to pray for our physical and daily needs? We'll explore that in a minute. But before we get there, I wanna read the scripture. And as we do every week, we pray together that God would shine the light of his spirit into our hearts so that it would cut through the crust. It would cut through the hardness of our heart and it would penetrate to that place of worship in our lives. So let's stand together and read this corporate prayer of illumination before we read this morning's scripture. We will pray this together. Almighty God, you are the great provider. By your Holy Spirit, open our hearts and our minds to the truth and beauty of your life-giving word. Through Christ we pray, amen. Please remain standing for this morning's scripture reading. It is the Lord's Prayer from Matthew chapter 6. Verses nine through 13, you'll notice that at the end, we do not do uh, the the phrase that begins with, for thine be the kingdom. And uh, the last three weeks when we read this together, I heard many of you, like me, almost start saying that. But I just wanna remind you that we're only reading from Matthew six. So whatever's on the screen, we stop after that, okay? But we are gonna read it together. Um, So read with me, starting in verse nine, or verse 10. So pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is God's word. Indeed, you may be seated. So I am excited to continue our series. This has been a profound series for me. Uh, When I knew that I was going to be preaching more than normal this summer and I began to think through what it was that I wanted to lead us through, uh, this was one of the first things that came to my mind. And I was reminded that in the past few years when I thought, I don't know when I'll get the opportunity to preach a lot in a row, but when I do, I want to do the Lord's Prayer. And when I shared that with Ted, He was glad for me to do that. And as I've been talking with you guys, I'm glad to hear that the Lord is doing in in many of your hearts what he's doing in mine. And that is taking the Lord's Prayer, something that has been very familiar to me and making it fresh and making it new. And in fact, he's been putting it at the center of my life with him. It's, it's just amazing how I can pray this prayer and in three minutes, what, what used to be a prayer that would have been very uh, misguided and very all over the place, which by the way, still happens, but less than before, I'm using the Lord's Prayer and I'm much more directed and things are much more expansive to me, I guess I would say, And I'm much more inclined to be joyous and thankful in my prayer. So I hope that's happening for you. And I would invite you with us and with me to think more maybe than you used to about the Lord's prayer as being a huge part of your life with him, of your prayer life, and that you would let it shape you. And so today, the way that I want it to shape us could not be more basic 
Today, the petition is in verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, what is it like to pray for our daily bread when I would venture to guess everyone in this room has enough bread for the whole week already? What is it like to pray this prayer when even if we don't, we might go shopping today or tomorrow because we have the money in our bank account or we will. Now, that's not true about all of us all of the time. But in general, that is often true of us. So what does it mean for us to pray this prayer? Does it mean that this prayer must be shallow for us or hollow for us or vacant or just words? Or is there something deeper or something fuller or something more to it? Well, I do think there's something deeper and fuller and more to it. And I wanna get at that with three things this morning. First, I wanna show us that Jesus dignifies our need because we do have need and we're way more needy than we like to realize. So first, Jesus has to dignify our need. Then Jesus will expand our understanding of what our needs are. I pray, and I've been praying this week, that this passage would expand our understanding of how much we actually need him and how much we often live as though we don't. And then the third thing is I want us to see that Jesus does in fact provide our needs. God is in Jesus Christ, the sole provider for everything that we need. He is the all competent provider for every aspect of our life, not just the things that we normally think he is. So let's go for it. First, Jesus dignifies our needs. How simple is this? How simple is it that we would pray, give us this day our daily bread? Now, as simple as it is, it's also has been confusing for many people in church history. Because if you look at this, I reminded us of where we've been in this prayer. Huge, God's glory, God's magnificence, God's power. And then in the bottom half of the prayer, Jesus says this, pray that God would give us our daily bread. It's interesting that Jesus would tell us to pray for our daily bread before he would even pray that, or tell us that we should pray for forgiveness of sins. You see that? He says, give us our daily bread. Then he says, pray for forgiveness. Then he says, lead us not into temptation. I just think that is fascinating. How is that possible? And in fact, it's been so uh, crazy to people all throughout church history that the church fathers for hundreds of years tried to figure out a way to, I don't know what else to say, but spiritualize this. Now it is spiritual. Uh, but it is very much physical. And so for years, people were so confused by this, but they said, we can't take it, so to speak, literally. But in fact, we ought to. And in fact, we should. And we should not be embarrassed by the fact that Jesus, right after having us pray that he would use us magnificently to bring about his kingdom in the world, his justice and his righteousness and his peace, that he right after that would say, oh, and by the way, As much as you pray for the forgiveness of your sins, pray for your physical well-being. It's it's magnificent. You see, we oftentimes don't think about the reality that it is God who provides for us physically. That right now, it is God who is sustaining us. And if we eat after this, that gift came from God's hand directly. You see, we are humans with bodies that have needs. And it is one of the most basic features 
of the fact that we exist. We exist as human beings. And so if God calls us into the world to take his light as image bearers, which we said three, two, three weeks ago, we kind of need bodies to do that, right? If I am to proclaim God's word, I need vocal cords and I need a diaphragm and I need lungs. You need ears to hear. You need a brain that takes in the sound waves and makes them intelligible to you. You see, this is all included in this petition. We have physical needs and neither our hearts nor our minds are right until we see this and pray for it. And we see that it is as necessary and important to pray for daily bread as the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus gives no caveat. Jesus says, pray that God will provide for your physical needs. J.I. Packer, who's a beloved professor, uh, theologian, on this verse, he says this. He says, we see Jesus' feeding of the 4,000 and the 5,000, and we learn that God cares about physical needs no less than spiritual. To him, the basic category is that of human needs. You see, so when God tells us, when Jesus instructs us to pray for our daily bread, he is telling us to pray for human needs. It's all encompassing. It's whole. You see, bread is bread. It is a loaf of bread. But commentators and Bible teachers will tell you that we have to see through the bread. We can't miss the bread, the simplicity of the fact that Jesus is telling us to pray for sustenance. But we also must see past that, that the word for bread is that Jesus is using something so basic that it stands for all of our physical needs. So to pray for bread is to pray for what? Only bread? Well, we also need water, don't we? Why didn't he say pray for water and bread? Because when he said pray for bread, he meant pray for everything that encompasses your needs as human beings. So we could say this is a prayer for food. It's a prayer for water, for shelter, for health, well-being, and all the needs of our bodies. So you see, this petition shows us how we ought to think about our bodies, how we ought to regard our bodies. Because you see, your body is you. If I kill your body, I kill you. It's the way the Bible talks about it. And so I'm so thankful that right in the middle, Jesus reminds us that to pray for his glory is not to pray for something that's outside of this world. It's to pray for us, is to pray for our bodies, is to pray for people, is to pray for humans, for human need. So we don't deify our bodies like many, uh, many of the people in our culture do. We don't deify, making, we don't make health and beauty ends in themselves. We don't make God's provision for our physical needs and end in themselves. You see, we make those prayers so that God would use us for his glory, that he would use us in the world. That's why it's right here in the center of the prayer. So we don't deify our bodies, but we also don't despise them. We're not ashamed of them. Rather, we accept our bodies as something of a good gift to steward and to manage for God's glory in the world. And so if God is not embarrassed, sad, or indifferent to our bodies, then we also should not be. 
So to pray that God would provide for our daily bread is to pray and to increasingly realize we are ultimately dependent on everything we have and everything we need in our lives in order to live for him. That's the prayer. That's the purpose. And earlier I said this, and this is a deep prayer of mine, is that somehow today, uh, without making us feel, feel shameful or guilty, that Jesus would dignify our needs but also that he would cut through our pride and arrogance as though we are not minute by minute daily dependent upon him for everything that we need. It has to do both. It has to teach us how to regard our bodies and realize that God's not embarrassed by them, that we have physical needs, but also it should cut through any arrogance or pride that we have in thinking that somehow we provide for ourselves. So we pray for, to God for our forgiveness of our sins, right? Because we can't forgive our own sins, but we, but we have everything else taken care of, right? We can take care of the rest of life, but surely we we can't take care of the forgiveness of our sins or protection from temptation. For that, we need God. That's how we live oftentimes. But no, God is saying, you owe everything to me. Every single thing in your life is from me. It's from my hand. I am the provider. So he both dignifies our needs and reminds us that he's the only one that provides them to us. So he dignifies our needs. And then next, this is what the petition does, is it expands our understanding of our needs. Okay? First, I want to draw our attention to the word our. Do you see that? Give us this day our daily bread. I think most of us, because this is the way I've been talking about it, have been thinking that this is mainly or only or merely a prayer for your own daily needs. But it's not. It's actually a very social. It's a very communal prayer. It is collective. It is our father, that's what we said. It's not just my father, but he's our father. And then here it's, we pray for our daily bread. Martin Luther. Martin Luther is a wonderful theologian and pastor in the Reformation time. Many of you have heard of Martin Luther. And he's, he did something so amazing. Uh, he thought about this verse for a long time. And what he wrote about this petition, about this verse was so profound that it's hard to read any commentators since Martin Luther's, that's the 1500s, to now that don't quote him at least once in this petition. It's almost impossible. And so I wish that I could read like sentences and a whole paragraph from his explanation of this petition, but I'm just gonna summarize it in some way because I think there's a reason why all the commentators continue to quote him. It's because the way that he has taught us to understand how expansive this petition is, is quite remarkable. This is what he says. Luther's insight is this. He says, the petition includes everything that belongs to our entire life in this world. And we pray for our daily bread for our life in this world to be used by God. So he says, in short, Everything that pertains to the regulation of our life, including civil and political affairs, is included in this petition. Now, it's interesting because when you hear that, you think, wow, that's quite a jump. And in fact, Luther took it further than that. And back then there were kings and kingdoms and they had uh, an emblem or on their shield, they would have certain things. So sometimes it would be a lion, sometimes it would be sword. Sometimes it would be all these different things. And Luther said the most proper thing that a king should have on his shield or in the symbol of his majesty would be a loaf of bread. And the reason is, is because he wanted the king 
to be reminded that his main job was to be used by God to provide for the people in his kingdom. So this is how we take it even further. We might ask God in this petition to give us food and drink, like we said, but also clothing, a house, but not just a house, a home. You see, there's a very social aspect to this prayer. You realize that you're a human being and you realize you have social needs. You've been made to be in community. So you can't live without it. You can't thrive without it. So a prayer for our daily bread is not just food, but it's also community. So it's for a house, shelter, but it's also for a home, community. It's for health of the body. And in fact, he would say, this is one of the key places that we should pray for healthcare because it's providing for our needs to glorify God in our bodies. It's also a prayer that God would cause grain and fruits of the field to grow and to yield richly. And it's a prayer that God would help us to manage our household well so we don't squander away all the ways he's provided for us in our daily bread. It's also a prayer that God would cause our craft or our jobs, we would say, or our occupations or whatever it may be to prosper and to succeed. And he says to pray that he would grant us faithful marriages and neighbors and good friends. You see how expansive that is? It all goes together. But he said, it's not just praying for those things, but it's also in this petition, praying against everything that would come in its way. So he says, on the other hand, it's a prayer to protect us from all kinds of harm to our body and our livelihood. He says, from tempest and hail and fire and flood and from poison and from pestilence and from plague and from war and from bloodshed. You see, all of those things would interrupt God's provision of our daily bread. Would they not? Of course they would. So how can we pray for God to give us our daily bread and not pray for the means by which he does it? I agree with Luther. With Luther, All things that come from the hand of God are included in this petition. Right now I'm in a program and, uh, for school. And when I go there, there are people from all over the world. Uh, so my colleagues are from many countries in Africa, uh, South America, Central America, North America, from all over the place, from different places in Asia. And there was one conversation we were having with some of the African brothers and sisters. It wasn't even during class, it was in a break. And we were talking about something related to this. And they were telling us about how one of the major blessings and sort of a movement in the world right now is that people mainly in the West, but from all over the developed world, are raising money to build wells in Africa for clean water. Many of you are shaking your head right now. You've heard of this. So there are many wonderful organizations that are doing this. So they told stories about what happens is that we raise money and many of us from the West then go over there and we, we basically hang out and we celebrate the, the ribbon cutting ceremony of the first time water comes from this well. And it's enough water for, for generations for this community. It's amazing. And so what happens is that we stay, that is to say, people from the West, we stay for two or three days, we celebrate, uh, we pray together, uh, we, we share the gospel with them if they're not Christians, we tell them about the Lord, we tell them that in their petition for daily bread, that this is part of how God has provided for them. And then after that time, we leave. And to us, we think, wow, God used us mightily to provide for them, and he did. But then they told me the rest of the story. What often happens after that 
is I don't know what else to call them except warlords, bullies with machine guns, automatic weapons, and trucks. Uh, Wait till we leave and drive up and put chains on the well. And they tell them, unless you give us your daughters, unless you give us half of your crops, you cannot have any of this water. This is our water. We control this water. And it's within these remote villages where uh, the government is, no, is not there, can't protect them, and these people are now under oppression. And they help me see that this prayer for daily bread, for our daily bread, not just mine, but our daily bread, that God would provide for everyone, that we, can't, we don't fully pray it unless we pray for justice. We don't fully pray it unless we pray for the economy and the flourishing of businesses and government, all in their proper place, because they are all means that God uses to provide for our needs. So the prayer for our daily bread is so expansive that oftentimes we just think, I go to the grocery store because this is how things work. But in fact, as Luther said, when you pray for your daily bread in the morning, the baker has been in the shop since 3 a.m. preparing that daily bread you're praying for now. You see, to pray for our daily bread is to pray for the systemic justice of the world. It's to pray for all of God's means by which he provides. It's to pray for all of those things. So you see, hopefully, we'll be able to see this. And as we pray this petition, it would be expanded. It would be all-encompassing. And you see, when we start praying that big, I think we realize how fragile our lives actually are. We see how reliant upon the goodness of God and how he's provided for us in systemic ways that we are still completely dependent upon him. You see, we could chase this down. The way God provides for my daily bread is by calling me to serve you. The way I'm able to do that vocationally is that the, the local economy is such that you have jobs that you then tithe to this church. And therefore that's how God provides for my daily bread. But he also provides for your daily bread by blessing the economy, by giving you gifts to use, to go out and flourish, to go out and create products, to go out and have the physical strength to work and to serve other people. It's all encompassing. So you see, it's much larger to pray for our daily bread than merely that bread on the table. It is that, but we must see through that. So first, Jesus dignifies our needs. He doesn't just say, you guys are pathetic that you need to pray daily. He actually invites us to pray daily because he wants to remind us of how needy we are. See, can you imagine if he didn't tell us to pray this? Can you imagine if this is supposed to be the pattern prayer and yet we don't pray for our most basic needs? What kind of prayer would that be? What kind of God would that be? Who doesn't want to hear about our daily needs? Oh yeah, yeah, you know, I know that that's a huge part of your life, but I really don't care because it's kind of pathetic that you have to ask me for that. No, in fact, I think we would not pray for it unless he told us to because we're arrogant. Because we somehow in our self-righteousness We somehow in our own belief that we provide for ourselves would choose not to pray this because we wouldn't think it's a big deal. But in fact, this is a reminder. No, no, no. It's so expansive. You are so much in need minute by minute that at the core of our heart, our hearts and our minds are not right until we 
believe this and until we pray it. And the last thing I want to see this morning is that Jesus is the one who provides for our needs. I want to focus on this word needs, right? It's been in every point. So here we go. This is the time, if you've heard any sermon on this, where I get to tell you, you notice that God doesn't say pray for everything you want. He says, pray for what you need. You heard this? See, many of us have heard this. Our parents told us that, right? Dad, I want this. Mom, I want this. We don't need that. I'm going to provide for you everything you need, but you don't need that. You know what that did to me growing up? It made me think my parents were stingy. I was like, you know what? You guys really don't care for me. All I'm asking for is ice cream. It's hot. It's summer. I want to go to Dairy Queen. I don't know if you need that. We already fed you today. (laughs) Believe me, you'll be fine. So it is true that that is exactly the word that he uses. Give us our day, this daily bread, is to daily pray for those things that we need. God will not bless our idolatry. He will not bless our greed. He will bless our needs. Yet. At the same time, we must say that God is not stingy. So when I say this is a prayer for your needs, I do not want you to then equate in your mind because of your past experience that somehow God is stingy. Because that would be so wrong. That would be so not biblical. I could go to many places to show this, but I will show this from Psalm 104. This is a section of it. In the prayer, the psalmist is talking about how God provides abundantly for all of his creation, for his people, and for those who aren't his people. For every animal in creation. It says this, you cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate that he may bring forth food from the earth. That would be good, be a wonderful thing. But then the psalmist goes on to say, and wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine and bread to strengthen his heart. You see, I don't, I don't need wine I don't need oil. Those are, those are symbols. They're real. That's what he's talking about. But again, like bread, they're expansive. They point to other realities. You see, God in his goodness doesn't just provide plants for us for food, but he also provides for us wonderful things like wine and oil and richness of food. You see, God is the father who loves to give good gifts. So there's two truths happening at the same time. Jesus does provide for everything you need. So the one side is that there is deep contentment that that many of us uh, have not experienced in only having our basic needs met. There There is deep contentment there. It's so clear. And at the same time, it's so clear that God, who is our father, gifts us with things that are abundant because he's not stingy. So that's the word needs. Let's talk about this idea of daily provision. You see, the crucial place that we have to go in our hearts with this prayer is that the point is that there would be deep dependence and thankfulness to God as our all-competent provider. I think one of the places that's easiest to see this is in Exodus, actually. Do you remember the story of manna in the wilderness? God's people are in the wilderness for 40 years 
and they're complaining. God hears they're complaining. So he brings in doves every night so they can eat meat at night. And then he, in the morning, gives them manna. And manna means, what is this? Many of us have eaten things like that. It was like, what is this? That would be manna. That's what they said. What is this? And then they tasted it. They're like, oh, not bad. I don't really care what it is. It's not, it's not bad. That was manna, like dew on the earth. They would go and collect it. But every day they had to go and collect it. And God says, you go back and read, I think it's Exodus 16. You could gather as much as you wanted, like as much as you wanted. And you could eat it, but only for that day. And if you tried to collect today for what was tomorrow, you'd wake up and it would be rotten and it would stink. And then the next morning he would provide again. So you can imagine over time, there was this daily dependence upon God where they would go and collect manna and they would have their fill. And they did that over and over and over for 40 years. They woke up and God provided. For 40 years, God provided shelter. Their sandals and clothes did not wear out. It's incredible. It really happened. And it's an amazing picture of our father providing for his people. 40 years. Quite impressive. And then in John chapter six, Jesus is recounting this, telling us we can trust God who provides all good things to his people. And he says this about the people in Exodus with manna. He says, they, they, they collected manna for 40 years and then they died. That's striking. God provides all of our needs. He will provide all of our needs, but one day we will die. What, what do we make of that? I think one thing we make of that is that our need that we need God to provide for us is no less than your daily bread. It is no less than health, a prayer for health, a prayer for uh, shelter, a prayer for family, a prayer for community, a prayer for daily bread. It's no less than that, but it must be more than that. It must be more than that because you see, God can provide all those things for us and we will die, which means at the core of who we are, our longing, our asking of our daily bread won't end in 30, 40, 50, 60 years from now, but it will end never. You see, that was what Jesus was talking about in John 6. Jesus in John 6 says that just as God provided every day for his people, he will provide for you. But don't miss this, he says. But that bread from heaven, it was pointing to me. I am the bread from heaven. I am the heavenly manna. I am the bread of eternal life. And so how expansive is that? Not only do we realize how much God dignifies our physical needs, and grow in dependence upon him for those. Not only is it expanded all the way to systemic injustice in the world, to the flourishing of an economy, to provide for our community, to provide for us, but it's also a prayer for eternal life. It's also a prayer for life that does not end. And if our prayer for daily bread stops any short of that, our heart and our minds are not right. Because you see, our need is so deep, it's daily, and it's eternal. And in the gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus shows, he proves, he completes the fact that God will provide 
for everything we need. And that includes eternal life. That includes life with our creator. Life of fullness, life of richness, life without need, life of complete and full dependence. So this week, as we pray for this, we must go in Jesus's name. We must go in the name of the one who purchased not only our right to go to the father for daily bread, but our right to go to the father and thank him that we have eternal bread, that we have eternal life. Let's pray. Father, we do pray that you would give us hope, that you would give us a realization that it is you who sustain us, that it is you who provide for us. We're so thankful that you're not stingy. How could a stingy God give his only son? You've given everything to us. You've given everything for us. You have a grander vision for our life than we ever could have. You've provided for us in ways that we would not even know to ask you. We would have stopped with our daily bread, but you, Jesus, told us, of course, do not be anxious. Everyone's anxious for that, but seek my kingdom. Seek the life that is eternal. Seek the life that will overflow from you and bless others. We are so thankful that you have done this in Jesus and that our confidence does not lie in our own effort, but in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And in his name we pray, amen.